How's it going, everyone? Uh, we wanted to highlight a small business for our podcast, Above the Standard. Uh, and we could think of no better person right now than Tim Anderson. Tim is a fireman on the city of Philadelphia and the owner of Anderson Rescue Solutions. He's invented a couple products that really make Tech Rescue, RIT, and some other firefighter survival operations a lot easier. And I had a great time talking to him. He's a wealth of knowledge. Uh, please give it up for Tim Anderson. All right. And we are recording. All right. So, Tim, uh, I definitely appreciate uh, kind of working with uh, our crazy schedules right now to uh, sit down. So, I know Tim Anderson, owner of ARS, um, Anderson Rescue Solutions, uh, Tech Rescue Extraordinaire. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so Tim, what, what, um, how, how long have you been in the fire service and, um, kind of talk to me how you got, uh, involved in the uh, technical rescue world. Wow. Well, first, uh, Chris, thanks for having me on. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and back cuddle on your tech rescue extraordinaire. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to claim that. Um, if you want to say it, that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, pleasure to be here today. Um, let's see. So, uh, from, I guess about zero to five. I wanted to be Superman and then I saw a fire truck and, uh, that ended that. And it, from then on, I wanted to be a firefighter for the most part. Um, I, uh, yeah, I started uh, volunteering. When I was 16. Um, I ended up, uh, I had random, random serious hip surgery on like right after I turned 16. Um, and, uh, got cleared to full activity again, um, on, uh, September 10th, 2001, um, which is kind of crazy because I was intending on putting my application in on September 11th. Uh, obviously that got, um, pushed back a, a couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, it was just kind of crazy cause I, I, I joined the fire service right after nine 11. Um, so that was kind of my, um, sort of my intro to things, uh, was, was all the stories coming out of that, you know, a lot of the FDNY lore, um, coming out of that and, and, you know, the heroism there. Um, and, uh, so got in the fire service right then in 2001. Um, I was a, a climber by background before the fire service. Uh, I got into climbing really young. And so, um, when I, you know, discovered rope rescue, uh, in the, in the fire service that just, it just clicked. Um, so that made sense to me and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I, I really enjoy the technical aspects of technical rescue. It sounds kind of weird, but, um, the, uh, the problem solving is what it's, you know, it's kind of what firefighting is all about anyway. You're just waiting for bad stuff to happen and going and, and making it better. Um, but technical rescue kind of takes that to the next level as far as the intellectual side of it and the, you know, how are we going to approach this? How are we going to going to solve it? Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my background uh, comes from, and and where my love of it lies. So how uh, how did you end up uh, on the department that you're on now? And then what uh, you know what I guess what did it take to get on the on, on the re the rescue? Is there I guess multiple rescues in the city, or how is that staffed? And kind of how did you uh, end up there? Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I am uh, a fireman in Philadelphia, assigned to squad company 72. Uh, been in Philly since 2008. Um, I, uh, yeah, I started volunteering young in high school. Um, didn't know that I wanted to do this as a career yet. Uh, was kind of interested in um, poli sci, international relations and history and stuff like that. And uh, went to college down in North Carolina um, and actually got a four-year degree in history. Um, but, uh, by my, the end of my freshman years, I only applied to colleges that I knew had fire departments that I could join while I was there. Um, and, uh, just by the end of my freshman year of school, I said, forget this. I love doing this. Um, this is what I want to do. So I started taking tests, uh, throughout the new, uh, um, the Northeast cause that's where I kind of grew up in firefighting and that's where I wanted to return. Um, both from like a strategic and tactical level. I liked how the Northeast did things. Not that I had any clue what I was talking about at that time, but, um, but anyway, so, um, ended up, uh, things worked out with Philly and they worked out right after I graduated. So it worked perfectly. I was able to finish 
finished school and within uh, six, seven months um, got hired on in Philly. Um, spent my first five years at uh, Engine 16 in West Philly, um, out where uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, <laughs> started his, uh, his days. Um, and then, uh, so Philadelphia's special operations, we have three sort of tech rescue companies um, there's a, a dedicated heavy rescue that's kind of positioned in the middle of the city. And then there are two squad companies, one in the sort of the north side, that's where I am, and one in the south side. Um, and our squad companies, we everybody goes through the same. What they do is they have a, a, a full-on technical rescue school that you have to complete before you can even apply to get into one of those companies. So every couple of years, they'll do one of these schools, um, and you have to apply to get into the school. And then they do, you're kind of put together as a class and they take you through all the disciplines. So it's all your, you know, rope, confined space, collapse, water, extrication, trench, uh, the full, the full gamut. Um, once you complete that school, you're then eligible to uh, apply to get into onto one of those special units. Um, the squad companies are basically low budget heavy rescues in the sense that we have the same equipment, same capabilities. Um, we just also have a first do engine local. So um, the, uh, when, when Philly, Philly originally, when they restarted the rescue in the early nineties, after nine 11, they wanted to increase the capability. And uh, I think the original plan, there were, there were several different plans proposed um, each more robust than the, the, the previous. I think it was something, like five rescues and two squads and two rescues and three squads all the way whittled down to just two additional squad companies. And that was obviously the cheapest and easiest way to, to do it. And you didn't have to add any manpower to the system. So, so we ended up with two additional squads and uh, um, it's a great place to work. It's very, uh, it's busy. The work is diverse because you have, you know, sort of citywide responsibilities and, and first do nonsense responsibilities. So um, it doesn't, uh, there's rarely a, a quiet day, um, but uh, but been there now uh, since hmm, 2013-ish, I think. So um, yeah, really really blessed to be there at a busy shop that keeps things keeps things interesting and, and challenging. So what then? Um, what did you see? What, what did you experience? Because um, when you started developing. Um, some of the product product line uh, that you have now, I guess, what what kind of uh, started that? Because you have a full, uh, at, th at this point, a, a pretty full array. And one of the things I, I know is kind of first about your shop is the the, the, the new take on rescue webbing with the multi-loop rescue strap. And um, that team I thought was a, 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 a pretty um, a pretty innovative innovative idea that kind of took the 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 long loop of a uh, of a one inch tubular webbing and really reduced it down to a much more selectable and quicker deployment option for um, a, a grab and go scenario and it's really been been really cool to see how it's developed in um, its its application not even just in the fire service I'm making a grab but um, drags for the the, the police and and really I know you've had a lot of um, movement with uh, the military. Um, too. So, so how did you go from, you know, a guy running in a squad company going, going through calls to kind of going down this road of starting your own business? And, you know, did you anticipate it going this way or did you just have this thing that took off or kind of like what, what happened with that? What, what caused the, the sure. start of the business? Well, okay. Let's unpack there. All right. Um, so, so yeah, the first tool that I, I came out with and that kind of was the genesis for ARS uh, is, was what you mentioned there, the multi-loop rescue strap. And where that came from, um, so I went through our SOC school in uh, 2012, and one of the components of it, they do all those tech rescue components I mentioned, but, but one of, and you know, maybe arguably the best component of it is a really um, hardcore week that they call uh, Fireground Special Operations which is essentially like RIT training on steroids. It's a lot of RIT, um, fire, fighter survival, uh, some advanced truck op stuff. So like um, 
you know, odd trench cut scenarios, all that kind of stuff that they spend, you know, some good time on. But the, the best components of it are the firefighter rescue component. And what they did so well um, at that, in that school was, was humbling you um, in the sense that they, uh, they made the scenarios challenging enough that it really pushed you mentally, physically, emotionally to the extent where you said, wow, um, I know half of what I thought I knew and I'm capable of even less. And that, that I think is, was the key takeaway for me was, um, you know, what I think I'm, I'm capable of now and all this fancy stuff I've seen before or been taught or it's just flat out not going to work. So how much um, failure did you have during this time? Like during like the course of your training, did you have evolutions that, that you, I guess, I don't want to say you, you, you killed your <laughs> partner or you killed your yeah, fireman. No. Um, I think the more appropriate question is how many times did we succeed, which I think was never. Okay. Um, they, they made, they made sure you died. <laughs> good. Um, yeah. But, but that was good because like, I remember the one scenario, um, by the time I actually made it to the, to the victim, to the down firefighter, I, I there was no, in my head, I was literally like, there's no way I'm going to try to package this guy. I'm so exhausted. I'm just going to grab a pack strap and start moving. I'm not even going to convert his pack. Like I'm, I am wasted right now. Um, and you know, I don't know, I got 20 feet and then I died somehow. I forget. what. (laughs) But, uh, but if you go back to, you know, a lot of guys carry this, this loop of 24 feet of webbing. Um, they're taught how to tie hasty harness and all this good stuff. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, if you're going to, going to grab a guy, you can throw this harness on him, use it for drags or use it to lift. And, no offense to the people who, you know, have trained heavily on that. I mean, it has its place, but it, it's just not going to work. Um, and when you, um, when you realize that, like, wait a second, there's just no way I'm doing this it, at, at best, I'm just going to wrap it around the guy's neck six times. Um, and the, the problem with webbing. So let's, the, a loop of webbing, uh, is the same all the way around with the exception of if, if it's, if it's sewn, it's pretty much the same everywhere. If it's tied, you do have a, a, a knot that you can find. Um, but it's the same everywhere around. So what that means is wherever I'm touching it, it, it feels like any other place on it. I can't reference one point of the, of the loop uh, over another point. Um, it's flat uh, and firefighting gloves and flat tubular webbing are not good friends. They're really, you, you can't feel it very well. If you drop it on the floor, you can't feel it. There's not enough um, of a change in, in uh, the physical characteristics to find it and pick it up. Um, and it's just too long. Like it's, uh, so what the kind of conclusion was, was like, look, if this isn't going to work, if I can't hasty harness somebody, the best we're going to do is a girth hitch. And if the webbing is too long and too difficult to work with to make a girth hitch easily, well then shoot, let's make a tool that makes a girth hitch easily. Um, so that's where this whole idea came from. And I took a a loop uh, or just a piece of webbing. I cut down some, uh, um, 11 mil static rope and inserted it into the, the end and tied off two handles. I said, okay, cool. I've got this, this just straight piece of webbing. I made it, um, seven feet long. So it was a lot shorter. Um, and I figured, all right, if I find one in handle, I find the other one and just feed it through one through the other and boom, I girth hitch them and, and drag them out. And so that was the first version. Um, I had already kind of made it by the time we were even done that week. It was kind of like, wow, I, I need something tomorrow that's going to work better than what I have right now. Um, and so I developed that more. And, and so what, what ended up, um, what it kind of came to be uh, was um, it's seven feet long. It's, it's got two reinforced in handles with the rope in them that you can feel with firefighting gloves on. You can orient yourself on it because when I feel the handle, I, I know in my head, okay, I'm at the end of this tool. Um, and also the, the midpoint has either a sewn in rigging ring or a carabiner. It's a personal preference thing. The rigging ring version is probably a little better for tech rescue. The carabiner is better for the fire ground cause it's already there and in place. If you need to just clip onto a guy's pack or something. Um, and then every eight inches in between now is, is stitched a, another pocket. And so what that enables you to do is adjust it. So if I were to girth hitch a civilian, who's not wearing, you know, a, a pack or everything, I'm going to have a, a decent amount of tail left. So if I need to do any kind of vertical lift, I can clip off to the loop closest to the girth hitch and then I've got a lot more control over them. Or if it's a firefighter in full turnout gear with SCBA, that's going to have a wider profile. So, so those loops give you adjustability. Um, and there's, uh, you know, I started with it. The, the goal is, okay, cool. We'll just girth hitch and drag them. 
Um, and it's fun because when I do demos with this thing, I tell people like, look, I maybe came up with 25% of the stuff I'm going to show you today. The other 75 has come from, you know, firefighters and, uh, tactical folks around the country, around the world now, um, who said, Oh, check this thing out. We figured it out with it. So, um, so basically the tool is designed for any kind of ultra high stress rescue. It's designed to be super simple, super fast, not require a lot of thought, still be able to execute on high stress, low vis, low dexterity, pulse is 200. I think I'm going to die. If those are the conditions, then that's what this tool is made to, made to work in. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can do horizontal movement, vertical movement, lowers, up steps, all sorts of cool stuff. So it's really kind of, uh, kind of taken off from there. So, so go, going back to that training, uh, dur- during that, the, the Rick camp on steroids, man, that, that brought me back. We went to, um, a, we had, we had Michigan state university, uh, kind of sponsored a RIP program. And up until this point, uh, I thought I was kind of good. Uh, uh-huh. after the class, I realized I sucked. Right. And then, <laughs> um, and even more, so then I get through the, I get, the, I get through the program and I'm like, man, I, you know, now I'm, now I'm learned. I'm, I'm good. And then I've, I, I read Andy Fredericks and realize I suck again. And I, I didn't really like, realize anything <laughs> about firefighting that, that was like taught to me or inflated in my ego. Right. So sure, sure. what kind of the, the evolution that you were talking about, like really brought me back to, um, you know, up you know, going through, going through the program, we had a couple, um, great instructors. We had Aaron Osborne from Summit Township here in Michigan. We had Dave, uh, Dave Van Holstein, um, who worked for Grand Rapids and is like this, you know, local, I don't even, he's probably, he's probably international at this point, like just a, a, a rope God amongst, you know, amongst men. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Dave, um, really taught us some, some really good, uh, techniques, not only in, in, in rip, but also for, for rope rescue. And, um, the final scenario was just a very simple, we had a, a 14, 1500 square foot house with a firefighter trapped in the basement. That was, that was a scenario. Mm-hmm. And there was no live fighter. We had, you know, we had debris. We, we had, we had smoke. Um, we got to the basement and it was a miserable failure. Like the, 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 the victim was a buddy of mine on another department and, um, the communication broke down. We thought we were good. The team had worked together for a week. We had, you know, made mild successes mm-hmm. throughout the process. We got to the end and it, everything went to shit. Communication fell apart. Nobody, you know, there was no one kind of operating as like either the, or a leader. The communication, like I said, was terrible. We couldn't even, this guy was sitting up against the wall and we couldn't even get him moved to that position to even move the guy. And we had, mm-hmm. you know, we had the tools and, that's what kind of connected me when you said the thing about being humbled in your training, that was huge for me in mm-hmm. the, in that moment that realized like you can have the stuff in your pocket, but if one, if, if you don't have repetition on it, if you don't even have the, the starting training on it, you know, it's going to in the real, in the, in the real time, it's going to go to shit, but you want to make sure it goes to shit in the training ground. And that was what was so eye opening to me in that moment. Yeah. And the same thing that you said, too which is why i like the what, what you came up with is to orientate yourself on a piece of webbing shy of a water knot that might be placed in it you don't know kind of where you're going where you're pulling from exactly and if that thing goes beneath some some insulation and some drywall like you, you you've lost it for the most part mm-hmm. or, or it's gonna be very very difficult to find um so when you kind of came up with this and you started working with it, did you got, did you put it into Philly? Did you put it amongst like your crew? How did it t- like? Did you do some like testing on your own department and how are they receptive to it kind of coming in? Okay, a couple things there. Um, so first off, I just want to hit on what you just said. I think you know if, if people were to ask me what's the most important trait in a firefighter boiling down to one word humility would be it without a second second guess um you know the problem with firefighting is that you know you're good at it until until you're not (laughs) and then then you realize just how serious the game is um and i think it's it's funny your your andy frederick's comment there like i feel like in in the firefighter confidence bell curve you kind of work your way up you're a new guy and everything's crazy and exciting and then you get a couple years on and you're starting to get up and you're like wait a second yeah i got this this it's fun 
on the top of my game. And then you have one or two incidents, either training or real world or both and fall off the back of the curve and say, Oh man, wait a second. Um, this is, uh, this is very real. Um, and you know, probably the, yeah, it's, uh, you, you have to keep that mindset that every, every job you go to, there's nothing routine. Um, and, uh, and, and like you say, both of these, examples we both just gave our, our training examples um, where it's always going to be easier than the real thing because you knew in the back of your mind that you weren't going to die doing it. So um, the real thing is always going to be harder and more difficult. Um, so yeah, just keeping that in mind, I think is important. Um, so developing the tool, I, uh, I'm blessed with a, a wonderful wife um, who, among other skills, is a good sewer. And so um, I said, hey, can you make it, make this and, and try to make this? And, you know, got some webbing and a couple things and sewed up a couple prototypes. Um, and, uh, yeah, just went to work and, and, and started dragging guys around. And my shift was kind enough to let me experiment and shoot some video and try to explain a couple things and work with a couple things. And, um yeah, it was pretty much all homegrown, homegrown research. Uh, just seeing what we could make it do. Uh, and then it was kind of a, you know, I had zero interest in, in starting a company around it. I wanted to try to farm it out and get somebody to, you know, a bigger fish to, to just scoop it up and, um, and make it on their own. Um, and had, didn't have any success with that. Um, which is probably a good thing because that helped uh, spur on ARS. Cause I said, well, this thing works. I, you know, I feel that I need it. Um, a couple other people who I've shown it to feel they would like it too. So, um, so that led into starting the company and, and, uh, and then it kind of went from there, but um, Philly, Phil, it's, it's, you know, I, the, the history of the Halligan bar uh, from what I understand of it. Um, the chief who invented it couldn't, you know, New York didn't buy the thing for, for ages. Um, companies went out and bought their own. Uh, but, you know, New Philly, you know, for, for probably contractual reasons and stuff, um, hasn't bought it for me as a department. A great number of guys in the department have purchased their own. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I assume from conflict ventures and stuff like that, they haven't, um, as a as a department purchased it, but there's a lot of guys here who who carry them. Um, and I mean, it's you know, if you follow my social media, it gets used here a lot. I mean, the last two weeks, it's been used twice on on grabs. Uh, unfortunately, both of the victims succumbed to their injuries, but uh, I mean, the most recent one was just a couple of days ago, and it was a basement apartment, and they had to get the guy through the apartment and then up the steps, and they used the strap for for both uh, maneuvers, both the horizontal movement and and getting them up the steps. So, um, so it gets used a ton here, um, but kind of unofficially. So, well, I, mean, I guess that's a, even if the department doesn't, I mean, go for it. I mean, you have, um, I mean, the, the, I guess the, the, the better Testament is that your own guys are using it, right? Like that's a, that's such a good windfall that you have buy-in from a lot of guys at CHUs and, and that's, and that's huge. And so, yeah, with, with, with uh, applying it, and maybe even webbing in general, I mean, there's a lot of videos out there that talk of, talk about the techniques for for webbing. Um, you know, put a circle around them and, and lift their arm and lift their leg and and and, and make a hasty harness and and or or sit them up and and, and put them around. Um, and some of the stuff I've kind of absorbed listening to you, following your social media. Um, you know, you you've thrown the the term just. Um, I, I'll just you know you didn't coin this phrase, but like girth girth hitch and go um, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It, have you found that's been like a um, uh, I, I wouldn't say a better, but a a a uh, a faster, maybe more efficient uh, sort of technique for for taking victims out. Yes. Um, if the fire ground is as bad as you know, we've come to believe it is and what, you know, our discussion so far, simplicity has got to be a hallmark of everything we do. In my opinion. Um, I think, you know, simplicity is, is, is going to execute the mission faster. Um, and needs to be sort of our foundation. And 
the simpler we get, the less energy we use, the more efficient we are, and therefore that translates into hopefully a better outcome and a faster rescue. Um, unfortunately, I was uh, in, in working uh, the day that uh, Lieutenant Matt Letourneau was killed here in Philly um, in 2018, I believe it was January 6th of 18, um, in a uh, interior collapse of a row home. Um, and it was a, it, it was a very difficult extrication. We used several straps, but, um, for that, but I'll never forget. So I used to carry the, the rigging ring version of the to loop rescue strap. I keep a carabiner clipped on the front of my bunker coat. And I always thought, well, if I need a carabiner, I'll just disconnect it here and add it to the ring and we'll be good to go. Um, and I remember in that, in that, um, operation wanting to do that and i was so exhausted i couldn't i thought you know what i'm not gonna i don't have enough energy reserves here to even fight with taking this carabiner off the front of my coat and clipping it here um and i'll never forget that feeling of 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 just kind of utter exhaustion coupled with you know emotional exhaustion and stress level through the roof um and so, you know, that, that has brought me back to we have to stack the cards in our favor by setting ourselves up for the easiest possible operation. Um, and that comes down to even trimming down, you know, what I carry, how much I carry, what's in my pockets, what is, is taken out because, you know, I just want to want to trim every ounce I can. Um, and the, uh, yeah, I think, I think that scenarios you, you you can't look at you can't look at the fire ground in a vacuum um and that's the problem with with so much training is you don't you look at okay we're going to force this door we're going to tie up this dummy with webbing we're going to do this thing but you have to examine the environment that this is happening in and you have to look at both the environmental factors um which can be everything from you know low vis to high heat to structural collapse to confusion and chaos um, and you have to then look at the mental aspects too, which we virtually never talk about. We're so good about talking about pulling hose line and forcing doors and making grabs. We don't talk about, okay, what does the individual firefighters physiological response to this environment going to be? What is, you know, what's it like at two in the morning to respond to victims trap? Okay, great. Sure. We, we trained in the drill tower doing searches, but like, what does the, the, um, pulse and adrenal response of the individual firefighter, how does that factor into what he's able to do physically and what he's able to do mentally or what he's not able to do more importantly? Um, because you're, all those things are going to be reduced. Men, uh, you know, uh, motor skills are going to be reduced. Mental sharpness is going to be reduced. Ability to make decisions is going to be reduced. And so you have to look at the fire ground and say, okay, this is what the environment really is. Um, it's not the apparatus floor on a Sunday morning. It's, um, it's a really dynamic, complex, chaotic, fluid, uncertain environment that could kill you. Um, therefore, what should we, how should we then, um, coming for, you know, starting with that as our baseline, we then need to jump into, you know, how are we going to, um, address this? Um, and, you know, I like to, to, to train hard and be good at this. But I, I know that in those environmental situations, I need simple. Um, I love the technical stuff. I love tech rescue. I love rope rescue, but, but, but it's just, we, we have to dumb it down. You know, you can always make things more complex going more complex is easy. Um, the key is to start as simple as humanly possible. So you have the greatest wiggle room to go more complex. So let's strip it down to the to the very basic and if we can add flavor to that great and that's kind of one of the things with the rescue strap like if i girth hitch somebody and i've got a lot of tail left sure i can clip off to a, one of the closer loops to shorten my tail but i'm only going to do that if the environment allows me to um if it doesn't then i'm just going to grab the end loop and and it is what it is i've got some tail to work with um because i know that that those mental decisions like kind of what I, what I, when I was originally looking at this, I wanted to get to the victim, be stressed out of my mind and have an option that was still simple enough to deploy and be like, you know what? I can still do this as opposed to a hasty harness, which imagine yourself 
you know, 20 minutes into a bottle in a high heat, high stress, low vis environment, and you get to a victim and your mind's like, crap, I've got to, I've got to put a hasty harness on this guy. Your initial reaction is going to be like, no way. Like, absolutely not. I can't do that. Um, and we really don't want to even have those thoughts anyway of, I can't do this, you know, in those environments we want to have, yes, I can do this. And so that's kind of where that, where that tool is coming from is to just to take that environment, make something so simple that'll actually work. Um, so that's kind of a long winded answer, but no. So if we could, so uh, one of the things that I really keyed on was you were so exhausted on, um, the, the, the fire that killed Lieutenant Letourneau that you, you couldn't, you know, the, the, the simple act of like throwing your thumb to, you know, open a carabiner and clip it on, you know, processing that was going to take too much energy. And when we look at stuff like that, that, um, you know, such, such, such a, uh, a simple technique that in the moment and in the moment one that they characterize is the, the, the worst scenario possible in our, in our profession, um, coupled with the worst conditions and environment imaginable. So not only is it like you, you guys had to work through a, 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 a mental hurdle to get the job done, you know, trying to, you know, trying to rescue one, you know, one of your own, um, but also in a scenario with, you know, active fighter, wall collapse, you know, working through that. And you said multiple straps were deployed trying to get him out. Um, after that happened, what, um, you know, I guess on your person or on the, the, the people that you know that are on the job um, that were involved with that incident, what, what, what fat did you trim um, or what got taken out of your arsenal that uh, maybe was taking up room that uh, you thought was good, but uh, in the in the moment when you put it in there, when you bought it, it was it was fine. But uh, in in practicality, going through it, um, not so much. Hmm. Um. Or was there nothing? Were you just like, were, were, did you find yeah, me, that you were just using what you had, and actually that the things that you had in there turned out to to help out a lot. Yeah, it's more it's more that the second one. So, um, I didn't even talk about the fact that the strap was used in that uh, operation for a while because I, I didn't feel kind of ethically right about using that to, you know, realistically promote it. Um, the Matt and I went through sock school together. Um, that was when I came up with the the tool, and to my knowledge, it was the first time it was ever used on a on a downed firefighter. It's been used on others since. Um, so that was a tough incident for me. The, the weird thing about that incident, uh, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of challenging things about it emotionally, but it was both a horrific, tragic day and kind of a proud day in the sense that it was extremely, it was an extremely difficult extrication. And I felt that the guys involved in it did a good job in the, in the circumstances. Um, cause it's what we, what we trained for, what, really why we exist is, is this kind of ultimate bad day kind of thing. Um, and that was difficult to kind of wrestle with, uh, and still is. Um, but the takeaways from that were again, kind of simplicity. Um, the, we, we, it was a, the scenario was difficult on a number of reasons, but it was about eight degrees outside the street that the fire was on was caked in ice. And even the first and engine wasn't on the street. They were down at the corner. We were parked a couple of trucks back from that off another street. So just getting, that's just the logistics hurdle of getting equipment for a major collapse operation to the front of the house was, was extremely difficult, much less um, the operation itself. But, uh, but using kind of what we had, I mean, when I, I was on the roof when the collapse occurred and when I got down, guys were, were, um, using chainsaws to cut pieces of, of timber they'd pulled out to make temporary shoring. Just, okay, we've got this on this, on the spot right now, let's make something. Um, and then we were using, you know, uh, extrication shoring cause that was the quickest thing available. Um, and using, uh, uh, we have the battery powered Hearst hydraulic extrication equipment. Um, and that, 
I can't sing the, the praises of those tools enough. Um, they, uh, they were instrumental in us uh, freeing him. And, and just the, those, the battery technology and that stuff is, you know, as a side note, has taken those tools out of this vehicle extrication niche and opened them up to all sorts of things because of how portable and, and everything they are. But, um, but just kind of using what we had on hand and, and making it work. Uh, and, you know, if it were a, just a collapse rescue, it'd be a different, it'd be a different operation. It would be a lot slower. It'd be a lot, you know, more technical quote unquote, uh, than what, what we did then. But, um, but trying to just, uh, yeah, go with, um, go with what's simple and what, what works and what logistically you can, you can get. Um, yeah, I mean, and there were a lot of mistakes. We made a lot of mistakes I made, uh, that contributed this to the complexity there, but, um, but, you know, it was really just kind of using what you have, making it work and, uh, figuring it out kind of piece by piece. So, so going, going through this whole thing, um, I, I know, you know, I, I work for a, a suburban fire department. We run mainly medicals. We have a handful of fires per year and that's pretty consistent with, with our area. Um, and we're about 35 to 40 minutes north north of Detroit. Um, okay. Obviously, we, we don't have a fire load. Uh, we don't have a fire load. We don't have a run volume close to Detroit. We have tactics that um, deal with you know minimum you know minimum staffing, lower staffing. Um, you know our 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 you know staffing per on the fire ground is, is lower. And one of the things I think we find ourselves in is that a a writ team rescue or a writ operation um has kind of dwindled itself down to that dedicated crew is um two guys in the front yard with a stokes basket some tools um following that operation um i know you hit on simplicity but if if tim was in front of a writ panel um you know following that that um uh, that incident what staffing wise number of people you know tools what um what would you address or what would you suggest um you know going through the operation what what would be you know something that's like addressable or that would be something key to uh have in place for uh for, for operations like this okay uh a couple thoughts um so the, the concept of, of a rapid intervention team is, is a great idea. Um, the, like the way Philly works, we, like we, uh, our box for a, a dwelling would be um, four engines, two ladders, two chiefs. And if, it, if it's a working fire, then you get uh, an additional ladder as your writ and the first two stock company. Um, so having that extra manpower is huge. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of the standby writ i think you know a proactive writ has to be the way to go because i don't think you can waste the manpower and i think it's it's too late in the game you know for example throwing ladders or cutting window bars or, or softening the target as you know as everyone has has thrown around um has to be the way to go um in my opinion i mean there's you can go down that rabbit hole like okay you got four guys do two of them work and two of them stand by or you know we could talk about that for four hours um i think the key you know, a lot of the research has shown that the RIT team does the rescue the probably the smallest amount of the time. Um, the usually it's going to be the guys right around the firefighter. So I think your best, your best, uh, you know, in this case, kind of like your bet best RIT offense is a good defense. It's having everybody train really well. Um, RIT is not going to be a thing that you know a couple guys do. RIT is going to be a thing that everybody does. So everybody has to be trained on firefighter survival. Everybody has to be trained on basic firefighter rescue. Hands down, no questions asked. Um, I think that's, you know, looking at, especially in a low staffing environment. I mean, you can't, if you had a, a truck full of five extra guys, the last thing you're going to do is park them on the front lawn. <laughs> at least I'm assuming that. I mean, I, I still volunteer on the side. Uh, and so, you know, having, having those guys standing there can be, uh, uh, tough when you need to, when you need to accomplish the basic mission, which is putting the fire out. So, um, I kind of like the concept of kind of a forward deployed writ team, meaning 
you have guys who um, whose job it is to kind of help lubricate the fire ground, so help pull line, help clear ladders, but not be so dedicated to any one job that if something happens, they can pivot to firefighter rescue and an important job is, isn't going to not get done because they're doing that. Um, that's one of the, one of the ways that we kind of work, uh, in special operations. You know, when we go to a job, depending on what the incident commander wants us to do, um, kind of one of the more efficient ways that we get used is just to basically go to work two inside, two outside. Um, and then, you know, we can identify problem areas, solve them, and then back out of the way as, you know, as soon as we can. Um, but what's nice is that if, if there is a mayday, if there is something that comes up, we can converge on that. And because we're not doing a specific, our job isn't ventilation specifically. Our job isn't throwing ladders. Our job isn't hose line advancement. Our job is making all those jobs go better by kind of filling in the gaps. Um, that way, if something does go down, uh, we can converge on that problem set without ignoring the critical tasks um, that also have to get done. And so if you have manpower for RIT, I think one of the concepts you can do is, is kind of let, you know, and this, this comes down to crew training, crew maturity and integrity, um, you know, because anybody who listens to this say, oh, well, you're just telling people to go freelance. But what I'm telling people to do is make the fire ground go smoother, look for the holes that can be filled and fill them. And then if there is a mayday, go make that your job. Um, and uh, no, that makes total sense. I mean, you're talking about taking a, a you're, you're not talking about taking a crew of green firemen that just stepped off the truck and sending them inside to work, you know, I don't want to say in conjunction with, but doing separate jobs that the truck company is doing or the engine company is doing, but taking mm-hmm. a, a well-trained, you know, matured crew that can accomplish those tasks, tasks, soften the structure, like, like you said before. Um, but they're already in a tactical advantage to, start to mitigate a problem and the other two guys on the outside if you have the staffing for it kind of are just you know taxi you know until they get inside equipment jockeys at that point to bring the stuff forward and then they can go to work as a unit um and go from there no it, it makes it makes total sense and i think that's one area that i think suburban fire departments haven't really got caught on board yet is taking that tactical approach and i think a lot of times for combination departments, uh, especially in volunteer departments, you know, uh, specifically, um, that um, that might be, I think, a difficult thing for, I think, even maybe seasoned chiefs or, or officers to kind of be mm-hmm. okay with and letting go sure. of, um, and I don't want to say micromanagement, but that, that comfort level that, um, you know, I know, you know, if if if, if, the, if their training hours are not on point, if maybe they haven't gone to that writ school in in, in an amount of time, you know, as a chief, you know, you might not have that confidence in your crew to send half of them in to do do work that maybe they 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 might get in the way, or or you might have as an officer a fear that they might. Yeah, have. So it's I think, tricky. Yeah, so I think you know a lot of suburban fire de- those kind of departments have kind of defaulted to. Uh, a pair of guys on the outside mm-hmm. just waiting for something to happen. And I think, I think we can at that time kind of become victims of our own boredom at that point where you might get caught off guard or you might, you know, I don't know, walk around as a pseudo safety officer, but you're really not doing anything yeah. to really help them out. You're just away from your tools and you're not, you know, you, right. You, you've accomplished a 360, which is important, but um, no, that, that, that makes that makes total sense, and I think that's definitely an area that I think we we in the fire service could um, get better on. And and uh, kind, yeah. of, kind of transitioning over though, um, one of the the, the newer things that uh, that I want to like really talk to you about too was the uh, the 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 pulleys that you that uh, you, you started kind of um, uh, working through with uh, the, the the I think what they call magnet pulleys. Yes. Yeah. Yep. The, that was. Um, you know, I, I have a, I have a short stint of service on our county's tech rescue team, and then there's some divergent stuff that happened. Um, but went through trench, went through rope, um, and 
um, that uh, when I saw the pulleys, I thought it was a phenomenal, um, uh, definitely a phenomenal um, idea and kind of a light bulb moment of like, holy shit, like how, how in the world has no one thought of this before uh, to just merge a single and a double pulley with a, with a friggin' magnet. Um, so what's the response been with that? It, it seems to be a pretty, pretty, uh, you know, unique idea. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the magnet pulleys are definitely my most sort of out there thing. Um, I, I came with the idea, geez, oh, six, seven years ago as a concept, I was actually in my basement just doing some rope nerd rigging stuff. And, uh, I needed a single pulley and all I had left was a double. And I was like, man, I really wish this thing would split apart. Um, because I don't need a double right now. And, uh, this is kind of a waste of space. Um, so I started toying with the idea and originally my thought was that they would have some kind of, um, physical key lock mechanism that would sort of stick them together permanently that you could somehow unhinge or whatever. And I thought, well, I'm not an engineer, so let me just, uh, I think I can make a prototype that's got magnets in it just to kind of see what, what I can make if this is you know, even something to think about. Um, and so I did that. I made this Uber ghetto <laughs> prototype, uh, in my garage. I mean, this thing, I've still got it. It's, it's pretty classic. Um, and, uh, I was like, wait a second, this, this could actually work. And kind of what the neat thing is because they don't lock together because they are magnetic, there's some tolerance for sort of, uh, they can kind of, they can kind of wiggle around a little bit and find their happy place, especially when they're used as a double on, on like a carabiner, you know, the load's going to be different on either side, depending on how, what's going on. And so they can kind of, there's a tiny bit of, of movement that can happen there that actually reduces the torque. Um, and you know, if they need, if they are getting over torque, they'll, they'll pop apart and separate. So you can know if something's off in your system, but, um, but the big concept there was simply, um, from an equipment management, equipment efficiency perspective, you know, a double pulley is great um, when I need it, uh, especially if I'm doing a block and tackle system or something like that. Um, but if I don't need it or I might not need it and I have to carry my equipment a long way, then a double pulley is kind of a, kind of a risky investment in, in a gear. Um, likewise, a single pulley is great. If I need a double, I can put two singles together on a carabiner, but it makes a sloppy mess. Um, and uh, just isn't as uh, streamlined and efficient. And, um, so the basic concept is, look, if I've got a double pulley that I can separate into two singles, I always have what I need, um, and uh, it just makes it easy. So two sets of these things, I can make virtually any mechanical advantage system I could ever want. So I've got either two doubles, a double and two singles, or four singles. Um, so it's a ton of options there. The reception of these has been has been kind of funny. It's always fun when I show them to somebody for the first time, um, and they pull them apart and their eyes get wide and like, "Whoa, look at that!" It's always one of those priceless moments I enjoy seeing. Um, and uh, so there's a lot of really great kit out there, especially in the pulley world. You know, thinking about the uh, OmniBlock pulleys that Rock Exotica made, um, and they've been out a good while now you know, with a swivel on the top and an opening side plate and Petzl just put off their, out their copy this year. Um, and these will never, never, ugh, these will never swivel just because of how they're made. Um, and I often, you know, I'll joke with people. It's like, look, if you can park your rescue truck 10 feet from rescue, then, you know, please use that, that kind of stuff all you want. Um, but what these pulleys are really good for is, uh, either small unit teams. So think like mountain rescue or tactical teams who don't, who have to move far or don't want to carry a lot of rope gear because they've got other stuff to carry. So, I mean, again, the efficiency you get out of this is massive. Um, they're also great as kind of a get out of jail piece of kit to put on your harness. If you are somebody who, you know, has their own harness, they kind of keep outfitted um, and you want to keep a pulley on there for any number of reasons, a magnet pulley is perfect because you always, you have a double or two singles with you at all times. And anytime you've done any rope work, you know, somebody's always yelling out, Hey, who's got a single, who's got a double. Um, and you always have that. Uh, one, one major team was saying like, look, if we outfit everybody in our squad with one of these on their harness, then we have an unlimited ability to create systems kind of indefinitely because everyone's got this kit. 
without having to carry a whole bunch of other stuff. So, um, so the options are there and, uh, they're also, um, because they're magnetic, they stick to metal. So if you work on a ship or climb a tower, you can kind of go hands-free, uh, to, as you're, as you're reeving the thing, um, if necessary, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, so the, the, the tactical world has honestly been the biggest customer for those, uh, because they've got to carry a bunch of other junk. So, you know, they don't want to carry, um, a lot of extra kit if they can, if they can afford it. So these have been really good for them and, and I've gotten a big reception there, which was kind of unexpected, but, uh, right now they're only available at the seven sixteenth. I'm expecting to get the half inch version here. Um, actually just in the next couple of weeks, there should be, should be here soon, uh, for getting the prototype in. So we'll see, uh, see what people think of that. And, um, you know, if people want it, we'll make a half inch version. So, no, and uh, no, they're just cool, man. They're just a cool, uh, a, a cool little uh, uh, piece of gear that uh, with a with a, a definitely a unique, um, uh, uh, unique you know piece about it that uh, that you said I, I didn't even think about the the the, the tactical wor- world, but uh, no, that, that makes total um, total sense. What? Uh, Thanks. Well, it was either it was either going to be the stupidest thing in the when I first made the, <laughs> the, the official prototypes, I showed us some people. I was like, listen, I need your honest opinion. This is either super cool. Or this is the dumbest thing I've ever thought of. So please be <laughs> honest with me. Um, so, um, what? Uh, so, so now you've been in business for um, for a little bit. Got a couple of product lines coming up. Um, you know, where's a kind of like what's the what's the next step for for ARS? What's coming down the pipe? Or can you talk about it? <laughs> I could tell you, but, um, <laughs> no, so, so ARS's mission, uh, our equipment generally all fits into two categories. It's either designed to be super simple to use in ultra high stress, which we've already kind of, uh, talked about the multi-loop rescue strap, um, or it's designed to be super efficient and give you lots of options out of one, one tool. Um, and that's a lot of my sort of rope rescue equipment that I make, um, but I am not pigeonholed into any, uh, any one, um, discipline or one arena. It's kind of, you know, I could have 200 cool new ideas. I could have zero. So, um, it's, uh, you know, kind of, we'll kind of see where it goes, but the, the sort of the mission behind it is look, if there's a problem that needs fixing, then, and I have an idea to fix it, then I'll, I'll run with it. Um, if not, I won't. So, um, the future is uncertain, but in a beautiful way. Uh, there's a couple projects uh, kind of underway, some further than others. Um, on some things I want to work on, but uh, but the big thing with ARS now, the first couple of years, I mean, like you said, I'm I'm blessed to have kind of a a, a decent little product line now, um, and uh, so I put a lot of effort the first couple of years into bringing a lot of ideas to life, and now. I'm trying to put more effort into getting them out there um, and letting people know they exist um, and trying to just grow ARS so that, so the equipment can do its job and, and make lives easier for people. Um, So, uh, so yeah, the goal is is just to, you know, the, the rescue strap, especially I always talk about, it's so simple and it's, it's, you know, I hate gimmicks. um, And I was really concerned when I first made this, like, Oh, I hope this thing just isn't some silly thing. But I've been, you know, the feedback we've received, the rescues that that thing has been involved with, we keep, you know, getting more and more emails from departments across the country who have used it successfully. And that's just super encouraging. And, um, and that's kind of makes it all worth it. So, so our goal is just to keep, is to keep pushing that mission forward is to, is to try and innovate, um, to make stuff that actually works in reality. That's kind of, you know, we want to look at the environment and the product has to work in the environment. It's not going to be a product that's designed for an ideal world it's designed for reality. So, um, that's kind of what our mission set is and we're just going to keep, keep plugging away towards that. So, um, and you've been traveling, um, we've kind of talked before you came up by us. Um, you, you've been traveling around, um, kind of demoing your, your, your product line. Uh, you've had correspondence interaction with, um, a bunch of fire departments, your own fire department. Um, in your observation, what, what have you seen the fire service doing right? And what's, uh, what's the next thing we, what, what, what should we be improving on? Wow. Um, 
man, what is the, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, improvement wise, I think we need to, we need to stay mission focused. Um, we need to spend more time on, on training to, to reality. I see a lot of good stuff out there on that. So I think, um, there are at least uh, individuals and leaders in the, in those fields who are, are really pushing things forward. Uh, wow. That's a, that, <laughs> that question needs some thought, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, no. And, the, uh, and it's just, but it's great. I mean, the, the people that are having us in are usually people who are looking to improve and, and make, uh, you know, um, equip their guys to be, uh, ready. So, um, so the places that we're doing demos are, are usually kind of forward thinking anyway, having a, little guy like like me and but um but and that's kind of what like um you know as a as you know i i asked the question i i asked that question um to uh um you know some of the people that i talked to and you, you kind of just hit on the point that that i that in my mind i was tracking down is i think one of the best things that the fire service is doing right now is they're I think utilizing a lot of the resources that are put in front of them on behalf of social media when you have so much social media garbage out there, but some of mm-hmm. that social media would never, or, or the stuff that people are doing would never enter your purview if it wasn't for some algorithms and the hashtag um, yeah. coming your way. So I think, I, I think too, it's, it's definitely what we're doing right is we are, are, are still taking, um, a lot of the passion that maybe our firefighter firefighters are absorbing. And I think we need to continue, um, you know, being receptive to ideas of change. Right. Like, right. You know, I, I, and it's no, it's no secret. I'm on a five, I'm on a five year mission. I'm year five in trying to get my department to put one smooth bore on our, on, on our <laughs> nozzles. And it, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm gaining traction. I'm, I'm getting there. Um, you know, there, you know, I got to create a couple more roadmaps to, to, to get us there. Um, but, uh, I, I, I think it, it, as long as we keep allowing the passion of our firefighters to continue, but then taking their opinion seriously and sure. you know utilizing that in the service, we're gonna do we're gonna do the right thing if you know because all it takes it, it takes one receptive chief, one receptive officer to to yep. hear that this one guy was scrolling Instagram and found a piece of webbing with some stitching in it that may, makes a difference on a fire ground, and that's all it takes. And all of a sudden, you're putting food on your family's plate, and this fa- this department saving lives. It's the, it's, it's a, it's a, right. What's, it's a really cool global look at what's, what's possible through connectability. And that's really what I'm hoping to gain too, by putting this podcast out there that people that might not know who you are, what you have, uh, you know, shit, even, even your story and your experiences are, are super interesting and probably are shared, um, you know, commonality, with uh, with other people out there, Tim, how can people get get uh, in contact with you or check out what you have going? Yeah, so uh, um, Anderson Rescue Solutions on Instagram or, or Facebook, um, AndersonRescue.com is the website, uh, and you either get me through social media or um, just info info at AndersonRescue.com is our uh, is our email address. So um, any of those ways, we'd love to hear from you and find out how we can help you and. And yeah, like what you said, I, I appreciate because it's um, it's hard getting that foot in the door and, and getting people to see. Uh, and we've been very fortunate that our products, when people can finally see them, tend to sell themselves. Um, the, uh, the department up your way that I was at um, not too long ago had bought, I think, 12 rescue straps or something. And I was halfway through the demo and we took a break for the bathroom or something like that. And the chief came over and said, yeah, I just put in a request for 70. So, um, it was, you know, once people can see this stuff work, cause it's, it's, you know, it's all coming from the field. It's, it's reality based and, and hopefully it makes a difference. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate the opportunity very much. Yeah. And, and I can't, uh, I can't speak highly, but you know, I can't speak more highly of, uh, of that chief out there. He's definitely, um, you know, I, I have a lot of great friends in that department and they're doing some uh, phenomenal things and that's fun. Phen- I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, they were receptive, um, and, and receptive not only to um, the time that you're spending out there, but they they saw um, 
that there was value not um, to 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 outfit their membership, uh, assuming that's what they're going to do. Outfit their membership with uh, with those straps. It's it's pretty incredible. And I, Tim, I wish you um, uh, a, a phenomenal uh, phenomenal safe year in twenty one. Uh, thank you for coordinating with me and uh, you know spending the past hour kind of nerding out with training and rope and rigging and um definitely it's an hour well spent so thank you very much for the opportunity awesome well tim have a great one man wish you and your family well and uh best luck to you and the rest of the guys on uh uh, philadelphia thank you very much all right we'll see you take care All right, guys, thank you so much to Tim Anderson for talking with us. Check him out. Check out Anderson Rescue Solutions. Check out that multi-loop rescue strap. And, you know, damn it, let's make 2021 better. Do something that will challenge yourself. If you're nervous about school, get back into school. If you've been nervous about taking medic, fucking take medic. Uh, If you want to do something, this is the year. This is the year. We had a pandemic that hasn't hit in 100 years. Stop Stop delaying it. Stop making excuses, get out there, and make yourself, make your crew, but more importantly, make your family better, and this is the year to do it. No more bitching, no more complaining, this is the year to make that shit happen. Alright, you can't blame anybody but yourself, and today that stops. Instead of blaming yourself, make the solutions, make it happen. Make yourself better. Alright, Till next time, bye.